Well, listen, we're in for a real treat tonight. We have one of my dear friends, Pastor Jeff Wickwire. He and Kathy have been our friends for over 25 years. Uh, he, he started out pastoring Church on the Rock Quitman, and uh, he started a church in Fort Worth now, runs several thousand people on the weekend, just a tremendous work. God has a great uh, grace on uh, Pastor Jeff's life. Uh, he came from a pretty tough background, and God turned him around in a magnificent way, and I think you're going to see he's a great man of God and a great preacher. Give Brother Jeff a big hand tonight. As he comes. Thank you, John. God bless you. Amen. Bless you. So good to be with you folks here tonight, and I want to introduce my first wife, Kathy, would you stand up? And we just celebrated our 36th anniversary yesterday, yesterday, and uh, it's hard to believe, hard to believe I've known John 25 years and Linnell, and so proud of John and Linnell and what they've done here. Uh, I'm just blown away by the kids' department, what a beautiful uh, area that is up there. And then the youth uh, in the, what would you call it, the power, powerhouse. I wish I had a powerhouse. We're going to build a powerhouse. And uh, so, anyway, it's great to be with you. As, and I bring greetings as well from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, who are meeting right now as we are. And they send their love. And I, I really, really love those folks. And don't get out much. I'm a real local church pastor. I, I don't travel a whole lot. I don't go to preaching in other places a whole lot. But I'm glad to be here, and I'm going to steal John from you in a few weeks on a Wednesday night and get him there. Is that okay with you? All right. That good, Pastor John? All right. How many of you believe that God answers prayer? Well, good. I'm going to talk to you tonight about a, a type of prayer. I'm going to call it stubborn prayer. And I'm going to turn to Luke 18. And I want to read just two passages, Luke 18, verse 1, and Matthew 7, verse 7. And then I'm going to talk to you about stubborn prayer. And why are we talking about this? Because we're living in a time of tremendous warfare in our nation. It's really... It's really hot out there. And it seems like the nation is getting darker spiritually. And just so many things taking place. I was telling our church this weekend, what shocks me about America is what no longer shocks America. Okay? So we're in a time of warfare. We're in a time of battle. So if there was ever a day we need to understand prayer and how to be strong prayers, it's now. And so I want to talk to you about that kind of prayer, stubborn prayer. Let's just read Luke 18, verse 1. And it says, Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not faint. Okay? So Jesus, our Savior, taught us, now when you pray, you're going to be tempted sometimes to give up. So I'm teaching you to pray and not faint, not give up, not put up the white flag, not throw in the towel, but pray through instead of fainting. Now, that's, that's the matter. Now, Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus is uh, kind of wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, it was the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And he said three things about prayer. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now, these two passages that we just read are all about persevering in prayer, uh, persevering prayer. We would call it uh, keep on keeping on prayer. And in Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus is, is giving us not just three words about prayer, but it's a progression in prayer. Ask, seek, knock. That's a progression. And he says, first of all, ask. Now, Asking is simply to make a request. It, it just means a simple petition. Lord, Lord, I sure need uh, some money to pay my bills. That, that's, how many have ever prayed that prayer? How many are praying it now? When I got the right group tonight. All right? So ask means I'm just taking to God a simple petition and saying, Lord, this is what I need. He's, he's my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. This is what I need. But now seek 
is a step beyond ask. Seek means to inquire or to investigate or to search out or to get to the bottom of a matter. Now, seeking here means you and I have a part to play in our prayer. That we're to put feet to our faith. Now, let me give you an example. If you need a job, and you're in your living room, and you're saying, Lord, you know, here I come with a petition. I really need a job. And so I'm going to wait right here until somebody calls. Is that what you do? No. You, you pray, and then you go and seek. Okay? You put feet to your faith. But then Jesus took it a step further. He said, not only should you ask and then seek and play your part in the prayer, but then knock. Now, knock in the Greek language means literally to beat a door with a stick. I guess that's what they did before they had doorbells. It means you go up to a door, and, and the idea here is for some reason or another, this door is not opening, but you know that it's supposed to be open. So you beat with a stick. You don't walk away meekly and timidly and say, oh, well, the door was shut. If you know it's the will of God, you beat that thing with a stick. Knock is all about perseverance. Asking is a petition. Seeking is putting feet to your faith. But knocking is when you say, I'm not going to quit seeking, and I'm not going to quit asking until that door opens. Now, that's, that's Jesus on prayer. So say with me tonight, ask, seek, knock. Now, you know the Greek as well here is ask and keep on asking. It's it's what we call present active indicative. That means ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. The whole thing is about perseverance. You, you begin and you don't quit until it's there. Now, that's knowing it's the will of God, and you know that it's the will of God by the word of God. Okay? Now, Jesus in this one little verse is teaching us or forewarning us, really, that there's going to be times when prayers are not immediately answered. You know it's his will, but it's not immediately answered. And he says, you're going to have to learn to refuse to quit and keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking until an answer comes. Now, I'm going to tell you in a little bit why sometimes your prayers are not immediately answered. We need to understand this. But, you know, there's only three possible answers to prayer. Yes no, or wait. And then there really is a fourth one every once in a while where God says, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> have you ever prayed one of those prayers? And, and how many of you can look back at, at some of the prayers you prayed and you can look to heaven and say, Lord, thank you, you did not answer that prayer. Amen. All right. Now, here's the deal. We don't like the word wait. Does anybody in here like waiting? I want to meet you. I want you to lay hands on me tonight if you like waiting. See, the, the whole idea of perseverance, of having to stay with prayer until you get the answer, has to do with waiting on God. And in our day and age, especially, we don't like waiting. If you went back a couple of centuries, those folks understood a whole lot more about waiting than we do because we live in the age of instant everything. We're living in a time of unprecedented speed, no doubt about it. Things that used to take days or weeks now happen instantly. And I like it that way. Federal Express says, I'll get it to you overnight. Lens crafters, I can't believe this still, but they make glasses in an hour. They'll get it to you right then. You don't even have to leave the office. Here's my prescription. Bring them to me. I'm going to read a magazine. You get them in an hour. At Walgreens, you can get film developed in an hour, when you used to have to wait days. And do you know that I heard recently applying for a loan used to take several days, but now banks are advertising loan approvals in 30 minutes or less. That's dangerous. Because sometimes when they tell you to wait, that's a good thing, because then you have time to pray, and you have time to hear God say, don't do it. In fact, it's hard to find any part of daily life that hasn't been accelerated, isn't it? 
It's hard to do. Microwaves cook it in seconds. ATM machines give you cash immediately. Email sends communications at the click of a button. Everything is fast, now, instant, microwave. And I read, did you know the smallest interval of time that scientists have so far identified is not a millisecond, and it's not a nanosecond, it's a honky second. Now, let me tell you what a honk a second is. A honk a second is the amount of time between when the light turns green and the driver behind you honks his horn. That's a honky second. How many of you have been some of those honkers before? Tell the truth. So in a nutshell, we've been trained not to wait for anything. Now, we wait for various things in life. Let me name a few that we, we wait for. And many of you are waiting for one of these tonight. And you're praying about it. And you're wondering why God is waiting. We wait for the right job. Anybody in here waiting for that? Many of you. We wait for the right spouse. Don't raise your hand. We wait at a bus stop. We wait in rush hour traffic. I do it all the time. Nothing tests my patience like rush hour traffic. Or you may be waiting for your spouse or your child or some other loved one to come to Christ. And weeks have turned to months, and now it's stretched into years, and you're wondering, why am I waiting so long? You might be waiting and wondering, watch this, if you're stuck in life, and that it, whatever it happens to be, might never happen, because you've been praying and praying and praying and praying, and it never materializes. What's going on? Have you ever stopped to think that many of these situations are like God's waiting room? You know, I've never understood doctor waiting rooms, doctor's waiting rooms. I don't know why they make appointments. Because they say, okay, come 2 o'clock, and the doctor will see you. You go, 2.15, 2.30, 2.45, people go in, go out. Your name is never called. Now, that's a whole different issue. The doctor is not God. They just like to think they are. There are places in our journey with the Lord, all of us in here tonight, where God says this, I want you to wait here. I want you to wait here. And when God says, wait here, that's one of the hardest things in the world to do, especially if you are burning with vision or burning with divine passion to do a thing. You know something is the will of God. You want the will of God. You're praying for the will of God. You, you, you are reaching for the will of God, and, and yet it seems to tear. And God says, I know what you want, and I know what I've put in you, but I want you to wait here. Wait here. And what you thought was going to take 10 minutes Turns out to be 10 months, or are you ready? 10 years. And you're beginning to wonder, well, have I really heard God? Did God really speak to me? Now, here's a fact, and we all really need to come to terms with this. Unlike this earthly kingdom that we live in, the kingdom of God is a patient kingdom. It's not in a hurry like this world. It's not in a rush like this world. God is not tapping his feet impatiently. God is sitting in eternity. He doesn't dwell in time and space. He is sitting in eternity where he sees the end from the beginning. He is at the end of a thing before the beginning begins. And he doesn't ever experience impatience. He knows exactly what he's doing and how he's going to do it and when he's going to bring it about. Believe me, he's got a perfect watch that never loses a second. Do you know the Bible word for patience is not what Webster's would tell you? The Bible word for patience it pictures a person holding a, a, a weight and happily enduring that load and continuing on in God's will and in their spiritual journey. They are not whimpering and crying, complaining and whining and murmuring like the children of Israel did. They are, they are patiently with God's strength, with a smile on their face, carrying the load. 
He strengthens us to patiently continue under a load no matter what life hands to us. God is there to help us to continue. Everybody in here has a load. Everybody in here has a weight. Everybody in here has concerns and burdens. Now, the Bible does say to give them to God, and when you give them to God, it says that God carries you. Roll your burden upon the Lord, for he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Roll your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. That's the idea. So many things that are important in life, hear me tonight, church, so many things depend on waiting on the Lord. If we can't wait on the Lord, we're going to experience very little of what God's got for us. But we've got to learn to be patient. And so watch this. Let me give you some examples of, of what the Bible says about waiting and why we should wait. In Luke's gospel, Jesus said it takes patience to produce spiritual fruit. How many of you have ever wanted patience and you want it now? How many of you ever wish you could love more? See, see here's the deal. Jesus said the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently bear much fruit. So bringing forth love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, all those fruits of the Spirit come with patiently continuing on. The Bible says, Jesus said, it's going to take patience for believers in the last days to make it to the end. Jesus said, in your patience, in your patience, you possess your soul. Now, you know what that means? Suke, soul, means your mind, your will, and your emotions. So in other words, patience keeps you from going nuts. Patience keeps you with a cool head. Patience enables you and empowers you to make it when it's really hot out there spiritually and when the warfare is intense, in your patience, you keep your mind and will and emotions. Scripture shows that patience in prayer brings. If you're patient in prayer, you're continuing on. Uh, you know, the, 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 the answer is tarrying. But when you're patient in prayer, it brings deliverance. How many of you have ever needed to be delivered from something? All right? Deliverance is when God does something a human being could never do. You are free because God broke the shackles. You are not free because you decided to make a New Year's resolution or you went to rehab. But nothing against rehab. But listen, real deliverance comes not by might and not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. He brings deliverance. David said, listen to these words, David's testimony, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard me. He heard my cry, and the Bible says he also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings, and he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Now, where did all of that begin? Patient prayer, and it brought deliverance. See, you might have been praying to be set free from something tonight, and just because you're not free yet doesn't mean you're not going to be. Because David waited patiently. He was in a horrible, deep, dark pit. And as he was patient in prayer, God brought him out. Patience provides protection from discouragement. There ain't anything that will take you down like discouragement. There ain't anything. I, I think discouragement is like a spiritual vampire. It sucks the energy out of you the life out of you, the zest out of you. It takes away the skip in your step, the gleam out of your eye, the smile on your face, discouragement. I've tried and nothing is happening. I've tried and I can't break through. I've tried and, and nothing's going my way. I am discouraged. But you know what? Patience, when you put it on, protects you. David said, I would have lost heart. I would have thrown up the flag. I would have walked away unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That verse has saved me so many times. Then he says, wait on the Lord. Can we say that together? Wait on the Lord. Let's try it one more time. Somebody needs that tonight. Wait on. Now turn to your neighbor and tell him. Preach a little bit tonight. Tell him. Wait on the Lord. The Bible says, be of good courage, 
and he shall strengthen your heart. And then he repeats it, wait, I say on the Lord. David knew that waiting on God was a key to spiritual victory. Patience, patience is how we inherit the promises of God. In Hebrews, it says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. How do you inherit the promises of God? By faith, but also by patience. Faith enables you to see it, but patience empowers you to wait for what faith sees. Let me put it another way. Faith sees it, but patience keeps you hanging around long enough to get it. Now here's the rub. Very few people, and I'm including Christians, well, that's all I'm talking about tonight. Very few have the will to wait. We don't like waiting. So when we're called to persevere in prayer, we run into a problem. Here's what a lot of people assume. And I've pastored a long time. And I've, listen, I love God's sheep. And I know what they go through. I listen to them. And I've been there. And here's what happens when we really have to wait. We don't understand. We assume either that God didn't hear us or that our faith was weak. Ever had that one hit you? In our waiting, we sometimes ask ourselves, be honest tonight, doesn't he understand what I'm going through? You who, God, do you see me? Down here. Some may even wonder if there's any point in having faith in God. Why am I doing this? My faith isn't working. Nothing's happening. So let me share with you three truths about patiently persevering in prayer. Are you ready? Here's the first one. God does not microwave. He marinates. Now, some of you guys are looking at me, oh, what do you want? Let me tell you what that means. I didn't know either until I looked it up. Marinating is when you put meat or fish in a sauce for a period of time to add flavor or to make the meat more tender. That's marinating. Marinating is what you do with a pot roast. Marinating is not a Burger King hamburger. That is not marinated. That pot roast that sat in the oven for hours on end and that filled the house with that fragrance and made you salivate and ask your wife a hundred times, when is it going to be ready? That's marinating. That's marinating. And when you get it, it is, now I'm going to make you hungry now. It is juicy. It is beautiful. It is succulent. It is heaven on earth. It is the way it was meant to be. Now watch this. Our God is not a fast food kind of God. So when God asks you and me to wait, and he will all the time, let me ask this question. How many of you are waiting on God for something tonight? Raise your hands if you're waiting on God. That's virtually everybody in this room. All right, can I give you a little suggestion? Here's one thing that might be going on. When God asks you and me to wait, it means he's decided to add extra flavor to the answer. Oh, yeah. He's decided to add extra flavor to the answer. You know what he does? He slow cooks the best things that he brings into your life. That's what he does. When he finally calls you to the table after you've had to really wait, I mean really waiting, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm leaning on your word. I'm hanging on to the promises. I am going to be patient. I am, I, am, I am patiently waiting with a good attitude. I believe that you've got all this in your hands and weeks turn into months. No matter how long you've got to wait, when it finally comes, you see what he's prepared and you say, hallelujah, it was worth it. It was worth the wait. That's why David said he prepares a table. He prepares a table before me and makes my enemy watch. Oh, I love, I love tormenting the tormentor. Don't you love tormenting the devil? There's a lot of ways you can torment him. You can obey God, that torments him. You can worship God with all your heart, that torments him. But let me tell you what, what, what God makes the devil do. God makes the devil watch while he prepares a table before you in the very presence of your enemies. He sees it, but he can't stop it. He sees it, 
but he can't touch it. He sees it, but that's all he can do. I've learned that when it takes longer than I expected, God's marinating his answer. So hang on. Everybody say with me, hang on. I mean, some of you got, got some things in the oven right now in heaven. God's got some things in the oven in heaven for some of you right now. And, oh, does it smell good? Is it filling heaven with the fragrance? And when it comes your way, you're going to forget all the pain and all the waiting for what has been birthed into your life. That's a real good place to say amen. Some of you are thinking, what's marinating? What am I waiting on? Right now, here's a second cause for delay in your prayer. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Now, I know you've heard all this, but you know what I've concluded? A lot of believers have heard all kinds of messages on spiritual warfare, but they forget that they're in one. And when things go wrong, they attribute it to flesh and blood. But it's not that person that's fighting you. It's not those circumstances that are fighting you. There is a spiritual enemy beyond the veil in the fourth dimension that we cannot see, but Paul said he's there and his minions are there. Those that do his bidding are there. Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, rulers of the darkness of this world, principalities and powers, a strategic hierarchy that exists beyond the veil that when you know Jesus, you've got a big bullseye on your chest. And we forget that. And we fight on this plane of the natural when you really win when you go to the higher plane of the spiritual. And it's easy for charismatic, spirit-filled people who believe in the gifts who will anoint you with enough oil to slide you into the next room. But they forget that we're in a warfare. Satan will do all he can to thwart and hinder your prayers. He doesn't want your prayers answered. You know why? Because Jesus said when your prayers are answered in mine, he said the Father is glorified in the Son. And Satan hates the Father being glorified in Jesus. So Satan, let me give you a word of encouragement. He may at times hinder your prayers, but he's got very little power against a persevering prayer warrior. Somebody who won't easily quit and walk away, but somebody will say, I'm sticking with this. I'm going to ask and keep on. I'm going to seek and keep on. I'm going to knock and keep on. I am not going to go based on what I see, but I'm going to go based on the promises of God. I'm not going to give up and quit. I have within me a marathon runner. His name is Jesus. He never quit. He never gave up. He said, it is finished. And when he said it was finished, it was finished. So the finisher is living in you and me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now watch this carefully. I think one of the great stories in the Bible is this one. I think of Daniel who waited 21 days while prayer and fasting until an angel broke through with the answer. Now, I want you to listen to what the angel told him. Thank God that the Holy Spirit put this in the Word of God so we could see what goes on behind that veil when you and I pray. Listen to what the angel said. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Now, this is on the 21st day. Here's, here's Daniel. He, he's lost weight. He has been praying solidly for three weeks. He has not quit. He hadn't walked away. He hadn't given up. He hadn't put up the white flag. From the first day, you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Watch this. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Now, wait. On the first day, his prayers were heard, but it took 21 days for the answer to arrive. Well, what in the world was going on? Why, why did he have to wait that long? Why would God 
make him sit there and wait that long. Here's what he says. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. That is so powerful. For, for me, that is such a mind-blowing verse. Picture it. This isn't Steven Spielberg. This is not Hollywood. This is real spiritual warfare. Daniel, the man of God. And by the way, what he received in answer to this prayer was prophecy about this day that we live in right now. He was battling for you and me. Here's Daniel. Picture this. An angel is released with the answer. He makes his way from the third heaven to the first heaven. Paul said there's three heavens. First heaven, the earthly atmosphere. Second heaven is the stars, the moon, the sun, outer space. The third heaven is where God dwells and his will is perfectly done. He sent an angel from there. And the angel heads to earth with an answer. And a spirit prince commissioned by Satan intercepted God's angel and fought him and resisted him and hindered him and held him back for 21 days. And you know what had to happen? This angel called for reserve troops. It says, then Michael, one of the archangels, came to, now if Michael comes to help you, the battle's over. And it says, Michael, one of the archangels, there's only three archangels, one of the archangels, Lucifer was one of them, the archangels came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince. So get this. He's saying, here, here I was with this spirit prince. He's fighting me. I couldn't break through. I needed reinforcements. And Michael came. I turned the battle over to him, and I came to you, Daniel, with the answer. Now let me ask you a question. What would have happened if Daniel had quit praying at, say, two weeks? What would have happened? All God needed was a persevering prayer warrior who knew to not quit. Not give up, but ask, seek, knock. I wish I had a stick. Beat that door with a stick. Lord, I need an answer. I want to understand the times. I want to know what you're doing. And God sent the answer. Now, what I'm saying to you is that sometimes spiritual warfare is why you're not getting answered. So instead of giving up, keep it up. Instead of giving up, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. Now, Persevering faith says, go again, pray again, seek again, knock again. Patient perseverance in prayer cancels satanic assignments. Satanic assignments are undone, the shackles are broken, Satan's plans are thrown to the wind, and he leaves frustrated and befuddled when a prayer warrior keeps on praying and doesn't quit. What do you need to pray for tonight? What are you believing God for? And you thought, well, he gave up on me or he's walked up, but you know it's the will of God. Stay with it. He might be marinating the answer, or it might be spiritual warfare, or both. I want to say one last thing. Y'all being blessed tonight? I just want to know if I'm reaching you. Okay. This has to do with winning souls, but I'll get to that. Delay, the third, here's the third thing. Please understand, delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. Do you know that Noah waited for 120 years for God's word to manifest? He blows me away. This man, Noah, he preached to a wicked, evil, apostate generation for 120 years, swinging a hammer with one hand, preaching with the other hand, According to Peter, he was a preacher of righteousness. He preached judgment and warning and salvation to his generation. And when he walked into that ark with seven other members 
of his family, and God shut the door. He didn't have one convert. I don't know about you, Pastor John, but if I preached 120 years without one convert, I would greatly question my calling. I can't even go one week hardly without a convert, without feeling low. Abraham waited 100 years for God, or waited till he was 100 years old for God's promise to materialize. Moses waited 40 years for his calling. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. Delay is happening for one of the two reasons I've shared with you. He's marinating it. You're having a weight on it. Or you're in warfare. One person wrote this song, uh, poem. I couldn't find them, so they're anonymous. God always hears and answers prayer. Though long may be the trial, let patience bloom while God prepares. Delay is not denial. Let patience bloom while God prepares. The Lord's rule for prayer to his disciples was and still is. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. What may be a no to us is a not right now to him. Keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Andrew Murray was a great writer on prayer. I'm going to close with a couple of quick readings. Andrew Murray wrote this. When faith has taken its stand upon God's word, and on the name of Jesus, and has yielded itself to the leading of the Spirit to seek only God's will and honor in its prayer, it need not be discouraged by delay. George Mueller is one of history's great prayers. He lived in London during the time of Charles Spurgeon, the greatest pastoral preacher in history, in my opinion. George Mueller started an orphanage. And this orphanage, he made a vow to God. I will never ask for a dime of, a no, of one soul. I will never solicit a dime. I will pray every provision in. That was his vow to God. So he starts this orphanage. The kids begin to come. Mueller would get up every day and spend about three hours in prayer. Can you imagine that? Every day. He said, I've got so much to do, I need to pray for three hours. That's what he said. Now, Every single day, he would go out and find on the porch of the orphanage food, clothing, goods for these children. Every single day, he walked out and God provided it. came from here and there and everywhere. Strangers came and put things on the porch. People who didn't even leave a name put things on the porch. Every single day, God provided for these orphans, and the orphanage grew, and it blossomed, and it flourished as Mueller totally committed this work to the testimony of prayer. And George Mueller wrote these words. I've been praying 63 years. Think about that. <laughs> I've been praying 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. How many of you would have given up before then? He said, I have prayed 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion he is not saved yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? He wrote, I am praying. 63 years, eight months for one man. Now, guess what? The day came when Mueller's friend received Christ. And you know where it happened? It happened at Mueller's funeral. The man came to say goodbye to his friend. And the pastor's message and Mueller's life convicted him at that funeral. And he came to Christ when Mueller was gone home. You don't have to be alive for your prayers to be answered. You think that guy's not going to meet Mueller in heaven? Come here, George, give me a hug. 63 years. In a nutshell, the prayer of faith and the will of God will never be disappointed or discouraged. Even by God's delays, Satan's attacks, or the test of time. I share this tonight 
because, and, and I close with Mueller because we're going to believe God for souls in 2014. Now, some of you have been praying for a spouse, a child, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor. Some of you have been praying for somebody who God has put on your heart. All of you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And you know what? You know people Pastor John and Linnell don't know. You can reach people they can't reach. And some of you are very discouraged because you have prayed for all this time for that person, and, and they've only gotten worse. I prayed for my dad for 30 years. I led him to Christ two years before he died. 30 years. I believe God. I prayed for my mother for about 20 years. I'm preaching one night in another church. And I gave the altar call for people to be saved. And I looked down, and there's my mother. I didn't even know she was there. She had always made fun of me. She had mocked me. She said, oh, Jeffrey, you go from drugs to religion. You go from one extreme to another. You'll, you'll get out of this. She didn't understand. I didn't get religion. I got Jesus. Okay? And, and so I'm preaching, and, and I forgot that my mic was hot. And I said, Mother, what are you doing here? And she had tears streaming down her face. She gave her heart to Christ, and now she is a praying saint. She says to me all the time, I pray for you, Jeffrey. She's the only person on earth that calls me Jeffrey. I pray for you, Jeffrey, every day. She listens to me on radio every day. She is as saved as saved can get. And it took 20 years of prayer, and then God brings her to one of my meetings, and I didn't even know she was coming. She was saved. I want to encourage this church. This year is a year of salvation. What does a baby come from? A love relationship between two people. What do spiritual babies come from? A love relationship between us and God. God wants this church, my church, churches everywhere, to face the darkness with the light and let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works in heaven and see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And I believe that in 2014, we can pray people in who you thought were impossible. Matter of fact, let me make a prediction. People are going to be saved this year that are going to shock some of you because you thought they were hopeless. But we're seeing supposedly hopeless people get saved. So based on what I've just shared with you, if somebody has taken a long time to get saved, God is marinating the answer. If somebody has taken a long time to get saved, there is warfare going on. But like Mueller did, man, 63 years, he said, I don't give up until I die. And he prayed until the day that he died, and that man got saved. Can you believe with me? that this year, Church on the Rock in Texarkana is going to see more people saved than we've ever seen. Can you believe that? Can we stand up together tonight? And I want to pr pray with you. I want to pray for those of you who are in a waiting time and you have been, all caps, discouraged. I want to pray for you because God wants to give you a fresh vision and a fresh faith. So I, I'm sure this is okay. This is what I, I do at home, and I know this is a lot of altar space. But if you're in a situation in your life where you're saying, God, I've prayed and prayed, and I don't understand the weight, but I believe it's your will, and you've been discouraged, I want you to come down. And I'm going to just pray for you right here. I'm quite certain there's going to be more than I can lay hands on. But I want to pray for you. And I want to believe God to encourage you. It's never over until God has had his say. I'm going to wait for you. And I know for some of you, it's been a bitter wait. I know for some of you, it's been discouraging. The devil has attacked God in your mind. Has tried to convince you that God didn't care. That he's walked out. That it hasn't done you any good. 
to pray. He's saying to you, has God said? And I just sense his spirit here right now. I love you in the Lord and he loves you. What we're going to do is we're going to roll our burden upon the Lord. And we're going to walk out of here sustained by his power. Now, just before we pray, I want to do something. If I could ask everybody to pray or to bow in prayer, please, in this sanctuary, just bow for a moment of prayer. I want to ask a question. You're here tonight, but you've been in a, in a drift away from God. Now, I'm not here to condemn you, judge you, point a finger at you. I'm here to tell you how much he loves you. And he wants you home again. But you've been in a drift. You didn't necessarily even mean to go that way. But you woke up one day and realized, wow, I'm in a drift away from God. And maybe you've gotten snared by something. Maybe something has just gotten a grip on your life where you've lost the faith to believe that you can walk with God again. Do you know that tonight the Lord can restore you and you can leave this building with peace in your heart? Restored to Him? Listen, if I was drifting from God and I had this moment, I would not get into a car and get onto a highway until I was right. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, honestly, I have been, and I'll let you pray for me. Would you raise your hand here tonight? Many of you, several of you, many of you, those of you that are still in the audience, I want you to do something quickly. Come down. Don't even think about it. Just, just make your way down and come and stand with these folks. Say, why do I have to come down there? Because as soon as you take a step, it's a step of faith. You have got to put feet to your faith. Come down. Come now. We're going to pray. Come down to this altar. And we're going to pray about this drift from God. I'm going to wait for you. This is so important, so serious. Because God's got a destiny for every one of you. Come on. I have one last question. Please bow one more time. Thank you. You can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. I've been in church. I know some Bible verses. I know Christians. And I know the, I know the walk and I know the talk. But when I'm alone at night and my head hits the pillow and I'm alone with my thoughts, I wonder if I've ever really made that connection to Jesus Christ. Where I have been born twice. Born again. Dear friend, tonight is the night you can be sure that you can step right into the hands of the Savior and experience the most incredible transformation you've ever experienced in your life. But you're going to have to say, I'm willing to come to Him. If that's you tonight, it may just be one person. But hey, Jesus would have died for one person. But if you can say tonight, there's a question mark, Pastor Jeff, and I, 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 I believe it, I might need to get saved. Would you raise your hand tonight? And let me see you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. All right, I want to do something. I want to take this in turns. If you need to settle the salvation issue, I want you to pray with me right now. And anyone else who has a doubt about it, pray this right now. But if you raise your hand, Pray with me right now and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I repent of the sin in my life. I turn from it and I turn to you. Lord Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart. 
as my Savior and Lord. I receive it in Jesus' name. Now, if you've been drifting, say with me right now to him. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for the sin that has taken me away from my first love. Lord, I repent of any idol in my life, anything I've put before you, any person, any place, anything. I repent of it. And I ask you, Lord, forgive me, restore me. I come to you tonight. Guide my life from this moment forward. You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord of my life. Now, Father, I pray for them. The things that have put a grip on them, the things that have sunk their teeth into them, the, the, the weapons of the devil that have had an effect on them, that you will break it tonight. And they will be set free by the name of Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, that you will grace them to walk away from any person or place or thing tonight that has played a part in their stumbling. And now those of you that have come down discouraged, lift your hands to the Lord right now. Discouragement has wrapped its tentacles around your soul like a spiritual python has squeezed the life out of you. But I want you to say right to him now, Look right at Jesus with the eye of faith and say, Lord, tonight I give you my discouragement, the setbacks, the letdowns, the betrayals. And I ask you to carry it for me right now. You are my strength. You are my sustainer. You are my glory and the lifter up of my head. Now, Jesus, tonight, breathe fresh life, fresh vision, fresh hope into my spirit in the name of Jesus. Now, give him a hand of praise tonight. And we sing.